in Matthew 16, we'll start uh, reading about verse 20. The Bible says in Matthew 16, starting at verse 20, says, Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. From that time forth began Jesus to shew unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou, art, thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? We'll stop reading right there. So once again, there in Matthew, uh, the book of Matthew chapter 16, uh, Jesus uh, has charged his disciples in verse 20 uh, not to tell any man that he is Jesus the Christ. Now Christ would have had his own reasons for not wanting them to go out and and, and uh, tell everyone that they ran into that he would uh, not or not to tell everyone that they ran into that he was the Christ. That didn't discount the fact that he was the Christ and the Son of God. But he charges his disciples not to do that. It says from that time forth began Jesus to shew unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised again the third day. It says from that time Jesus Christ told his disciples told these men that have been following him around, told these folks that had seen him with, or seen him perform miracles seen him uh, seen him feed people by the thousands in the, in the, uh, in the scriptures and within the gospels Jesus has already fed 5,000 people at one time He's already fed 4,000 people at another time with enough uh, food left over and in baskets for his disciples to gather up. They witnessed all of these miracles. They witnessed these things come to be. And Jesus tells them, don't tell people that I'm the Christ, but I have something to tell you. I have got to go up to Jerusalem. I must be handed over into the hands of sinful men. I must be killed, but don't you worry. The third day I will rise from the dead. The third day I will be resurrected by the power of the Father, by the power of the Holy Ghost, and by my own power I will be, uh, be resurrected to live again. Jesus tells his disciples this very thing. And what does Peter do? 
He says, Lord, being far from thee, Lord, this thing shall not come unto you. It shall not be unto you, folks. This was the same Peter that had just admitted that Jesus Christ was indeed the Son of the living God. He just admitted that Jesus Christ was the promised Messiah. He had just told Jesus in witness of the disciples who Jesus was. He admitted who he was, admitted his belief, admitted everything about him. And yet he tells Jesus, being far from thee, this thing will not come to pass. How doubtful are we ourselves as Christians? We make the confession. We make the confession. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. We make the confessions. Jesus died for my sins. We make the confessions. I'm I'm glory bound. We make the confessions all over town, all over our places of work, in front of our families, in front of our friends. We confess Jesus Christ as Lord of our lives. But then what do we do? We'll act just like Peter does here. not long at all after after Jesus or after Peter had confessed Jesus Christ as Lord, he denies the same. He says, Be it far from thee. Why was this? Peter found it hard to believe. Peter being a Jew, he was looking for Messiah. Peter would have been somewhat familiar with the Old Testament Scriptures. Peter would have known that God promised a Messiah. God promised a seed that would crush the head of the serpent way back in Genesis 3. And God had promised a Messiah over and over in the Old Testament Scriptures. Peter would have been familiar with that. He would have known about that. And he was looking for a Messiah that would come and set up His kingdom immediately. That would come and take out God's promised people, God's chosen people, the apple of God's eye, the Jewish nation. That's the Messiah that Peter was looking for. But that is not the Messiah that Christ came to be at this point. Christ came not only to save the Jew, He came to save the Gentile. He came to save any and everyone that would accept the sacrifice that He was about to make. Jew and Gentile alike. That's not what Peter was looking for. That's not what any of the other disciples were looking for. That's not what any of them were looking for. They were looking for something to take place immediately. Christ tells them here. He says, <clears throat> He says in the scriptures, from that time forth that began Jesus to shew unto his disciples how he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised again the third day Peter took him and began to rebuke him. Can you imagine taking the Lord Jesus Christ? I don't know if that means he grabbed him by the arm or if it just means he took him off to the side somewhere. But either way, the scripture says he took him and began to rebuke him. He began to rebuke the very one that came to save his soul. We got an entire world full of people now. They're rebuking the same thing. 
They rebuked Jesus Christ. They rebuked the word. They rebuked his blood. They rebuked everything about Almighty God. Rebuked everything about the work of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross. They rebuked all the... Hey, they are no different than the, than the Pharisees and the Sadducees that came at the beginning of the chapter demanding a sign. These men had heard of the, of the miracles performed by Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ had cast out demons. They accused him of being a demon himself. Accused him of casting out demons by using other demons. They had witnessed all these miracles. Heard of the miracles of Jesus. Yet they demanded more signs. Amen. And that's crazy. But the world is no different now. No. I believe if God would just do this. If God would just do that, I'll believe. Folks, God has done everything that God is going to do. Amen. God has sent the crown jewel of heaven. Yeah. He sent the only begotten. He sent him down here into a world full of filth, into a world full of sin, and a world full of sinners who are in love with that filth and that sin. He sent him to die in their place on the cross at Calvary. There will no other sign be given. We either believe what Christ did for us or we reject what Christ done for us if we believe we are promised a place in heaven a place in glory if we reject we will go to hell period Amen. that's the only thing that's all that's out there there are no other deals to be made Jesus Christ is the final word from God Jesus Christ was the final word and is the final word from God. God the Father has an issue with mankind. That's why Jesus Christ came to reconcile man back unto the Father. He came to bring us back into fellowship with God. To bring us back into communion with God. To make a way that we can do that. God created man in the garden to have communion with him. To have fellowship with him. So that man could serve him and sin entered in and ruined that that's why reconciliation had to be made because there was no other way how did that reconciliation have to be made a price for sin had to be paid a price for sin had to be paid Peter wasn't quite grasping that here in Matthew 16 he didn't understand that price for sin he didn't understand everything that Jesus was saying. But folks, listen to me. He confessed that Jesus Christ was the Lord. You may be sitting here this morning. You may say, I can't believe. I can't understand all of the Bible. Folks, listen to me. I've been preaching for years now. I've been saved for several years. I don't understand everything in the Scripture. I don't understand everything about Jesus Christ. I don't understand everything about glory. I don't understand everything about salvation. But I know enough to know that when God called my name and God showed me my sinful condition, that He was able to save me. And praise God, that's precisely what He does. 
But to this day, I still don't know everything about Scripture. And you know what? I won't know everything about Scripture. If I knew everything about this Bible, I would be God. And I can promise you, I am nowhere near that. Uh -huh. <coughs> Peter here. Peter didn't quite get a, a good grip on things. Uh -huh. And we, we might look down our nose at Peter because of that. And we're in no different shape. But what did Jesus say? Get thee behind me, Satan. Get thee behind me, Satan. Referring, was he referring to Peter as Satan? Or was he talking to Satan himself? Folks, this wasn't the only time in Jesus' life he was ever tempted. And he was being tempted by a man named, or by Satan through a man named Peter, one of his very own disciples. Folks, when, when Jesus, at the very beginning of the Gospels, when Jesus gets led away into the wilderness of the Holy Ghost, and, and Satan begins to tempt, we read of only three temptations in all of that. But folks, that is not the only three times that Jesus Christ was tempted in his life here. I'm persuaded that Jesus Christ, from the time of his adolescence until the very time that he died, he was tempted of Satan, he was tempted of demons. I'm not talking about temptation as far as the sin. I'm saying he was tried of Satan. He was tried of demons. But he overcame every temptation, every trial, and everything else that came his way. Why was that? Because he came to be the unblemished sacrifice of Almighty God. Amen. That was the only yeah. way John could have said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Jesus Christ was that lamb. And Jesus Christ is that lamb. He was the lamb that was to be, was to be offered one time and one time only. But <clears throat> Jesus, he says, get thee behind me, Satan. Get thee behind me, Satan. He's being tempted. Being tempted with what? If you look over in the, what, what's commonly referred to as the original three temptations, in the wilderness, mm -hmm. what was one of the things, what was the last thing Jesus was tempted with? It says he took him up, Satan took him up, and said, all this can be yours, show them the kingdoms of the world. Yeah. said, all this can be yours if you bow down and worship yeah. me. All this can be yours uh -huh. if you bow down and worship. What was he tempting Jesus with? Folks, that would have been a temptation for you and for me too. Not the power of the world, but gaining the power of the world without bearing the cross. Yeah. That's what Satan was saying to him then. And that's what was being said right here by Peter. It was the same temptation coming two times by two, uh, in two different ways. One directly by Satan and the other by Satan through Peter. But either way, hey, Peter was tempting, or Satan was tempting Jesus Christ through Peter by offering the same thing, by saying, be it far from thee. This thing should not come unto you. Hey, you're Messiah. You are King. You are Lord. You are God. You shouldn't have to suffer these things. He was saying, hey, you can have all these things. You can have your way. Have it however you want and not go to Calvary. That's what Satan said. That's what Peter was saying. And that's why Jesus could say, get thee behind me, Satan. He came to do one thing. 
Roger taught on it this morning. I preached on it just a week or two ago. He came to seek and save those who are lost. He came not to call the righteous, but he came to call sinners to repentance. Hey, if we're righteous in our own works, if we have the attitude that we've not done anything to be forgiven of, if we have the attitude that Almighty God couldn't possibly forgive our sin because we've gone too far, if we have the attitude of any of these things, that is a prideful attitude that is pride coming in the back door. It's demons whispering in our ear. It is all these things. But my God said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Amen. And that's precisely why he came. Yeah. And he gave his blood that the way could be made. See, before the blood of Jesus was shed, we could have screamed repentance all day. And we could have repented all day. Folks, it wouldn't have meant a hill of beans before the blood of Jesus Christ was shed though we couldn't have repented of our sins completely God would roll those sins back for just a little while but the next year the, within the next year until the next day of atonement those sins would still be there Jesus blood has the power to wash and clean all sins all time forever Amen. Yeah. we don't just move them back you don't just move them back. They are clean. Amen. I understand. I understand when we say my sins are covered by the blood. I understand that and I say it too. I understand I'm covered by the blood of Jesus. Yeah. But folks, it goes deeper than that. Oh, yeah. It's washed away. To say my sins is covered by the blood means my sins are still with me. Hey, now listen, I'm still a sinful person. I'm still a human being and I still commit sin on a daily basis, but I don't go out looking for sin and I don't go out wallowing in my sin. Hey, we all sin. We have flesh that causes us to sin. We all have evil thoughts. Preachers, teachers, and deacons all alike. Play members all alike. Lost people, saved people all alike. We all have sin in our lives. The only difference between one sinner and another is one is forgiven of God because they accepted the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made and the other is still at odds with God. The other is still God. God's anger and God's fury abiding upon them because they have not accepted the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's Amen. the only differences between sinners. You got saved sinners and you got lost sinners. I'm glad to say I'm one of them saved sinners. Mm. Praise God. Amen. Lord. The things, I'm sorry, get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense. Well, again, was he talking to Peter? No, Satan was the offense. Satan was the offense. Now, some people will say, <coughs> some people will say, Peter was kind of being self-righteous. It says that he took the Lord and he began to rebuke him folks Peter was one of the most unself-righteous people in all of scripture now listen he ran his mouth oh, yeah. 
Oh, yeah. He ran his mouth, and he let his mouth go in gear before his brain really engaged. A lot of times, I understand that. But as far as being self-righteous, hey, when Jesus Christ came to call Peter, when Jesus Christ got on the boat with Peter, and he, and he spoke to the crowd, then he said, shove off a little bit. Go out into the deep. Let down your nets for a drop. What, what did Peter say after he pulled in all these fish out of the, out of the, uh, in the net? What did Peter say? He said, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, oh Lord. Hey, Peter knew what kind of shape he was in. Peter knew he was a sinful man. If there was a man in Scripture that was not self-righteous, it was Peter. So don't go saying he was self-righteous. Because he wasn't. Peter knew what kind of man he was. He knew he was a sinner. But here Peter, or Jesus, tells Peter, says, Thou art an offense unto me. For thou severest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. He's rebuking Satan and rebuking Peter all at the same time. You're, you savor the things, not the things that be of God, but rather those that be of men. What did men want? We just got through talking about it a little while ago. They wanted deliverance right then and there. But they wanted deliverance from the Roman government. From the Roman government that had been oppressing them for hundreds of years. That's what they were looking for at the time. They weren't looking for the eternal deliverance. They weren't looking for eternal salvation that only God offers. They were looking for something more immediate. Folks, if we get that mindset about us, it will be that much more difficult to reach us with the gospel when we look at our current situations it's that much more difficult to rely upon the gospel and rely upon the promises of God you take a thief on the cross next to Jesus Christ when he was hanging upon the cross he had a malefactor hanging on either side of him one of them railed on Jesus Christ and the other said when thou come into thy kingdom do remember me and Jesus Christ said today thou shalt be with me in paradise one of those men looked at his current situation and rejected Jesus Christ. The other hanging there on a cross, bleeding just like Jesus. He was in a miserable state, but he could look past that and look to the one that could do something about it. Amen. And I promise you, I promise you, whatever's going on in your life, anything going on in your life, anything that's happened to you or is currently happening, you are not having as bad of a day as that thief was. Right. You're, you're, you're not having as bad of a life as that man there hanging on the cross. And the only hope that he had hanging on a cross right next to him, you are not having as bad of a day as that fella. But he could look past that. He could see past it. He could see past the blood. He could see past the stripes. He could see past the face that had been beaten beyond all recognition. But that man could look past all of that and he could see hope. He could see hope somehow. Hey, he had to have heard about this Jesus somehow, some uh, some way. He had to have heard that's who was hanging on the cross next to him. The one believed, the other did not. And all the promise to get to paradise was only made to the one that believed. Only made to him. Verse 24, Then Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross 
and follow me. <clears throat> if any come unto me, now listen, the disciples did not come unto Jesus. <clears throat> Jesus called every one of them. He handpicked those men. The cross that Jesus bore is not the cross that you and I bear. It is not. He, he was the only one who could bear that cross. He's the only one who could bear the sin of the world. He's the only one that could bear that burden. But he did it voluntarily. That's the main gist of that whole thing. When Jesus says, if any man come after me, let him take up his, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Folks, when we take up a cross, it is, it is a voluntary thing. It's not something that God necessarily gives us. We come across as Christians. I'm talking about as Christians. Lost people, you can't take up a cross. If you're here among us, there's no cross for you to take up. The only cross you can pay attention to is the, is the cross that Jesus Christ hung on, died on, bled on for your sin. But for Christians, for Christians to take up a cross, it says let him take up his cross and follow Jesus. Folks, that cross... Is something that we voluntarily do. Mm -hmm. And if we're true blue Christians, we'll take up that cross. And your cross is going to be different from mine. And mine will be different from yours. Now listen, this doesn't necessarily include sickness, death, heartache. That's not what I'm talking about when I say a cross. I'm talking about Christian service. I'm talking about doing what God says to do. Hey, these commandments, Jesus Christ said himself, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, do what I ask you to do. If you love me, you'll do what I have said. These are things that we voluntarily do. If the cross of Jesus Christ was taken up voluntarily, and he voluntarily went up that hill, laid out his hands, put his feet together, let him nail him there. Hey, he being the very creator of that wood, the very creator of the ore that made the nails, the creator of the people that did the nailing, if he would do that for us who are we to deny taking up a cross and following Jesus any cross that's laid down there we should be willing to take up we should be willing to take up for whosoever will save his life shall lose it and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it folks now once again to Christians We've not yet suffered under blood in this country. No. In this country we have. Worldwide, that's a different story. In this country, it ain't come yet. It's on its way. It's, it's here. It just ain't made its ugly face real right. known just yet. But it's here. It's a, a save his life, shall lose it, Jesus said. In other words, if, if, if the time comes... And we compromise. We compromise the gospel. We compromise our belief. We compromise our walk with Jesus Christ. We compromise any of these things. He that shall save his life shall lose it. He that shall save his life shall lose it. Folks, what does that mean? Now, in the physical sense, in the physical sense, in other words, we might get some gain down here. Remember what we're talking about here. We're talking about Satan tempting Jesus with with uh, with gaining with gaining glory and gaining uh, all these things without bearing the cross. 
Amen. We're still on the same subject matter when yeah. Jesus says, He that shall save his life shall lose it. But he that shall lose his life for my sake shall gain it, shall live, shall have life. Yeah. So he that shall save his life shall lose it. In other words, when these trials come, when it comes time to bear that cross, when it comes time to take that burden on our shoulders, when it comes time to do these things, if we do not do those things, if we don't bear those, hey, Jesus said plain as day here in the scriptures, let him deny himself, let him take up his cross and follow me if we claim the name of Jesus Christ and we never take up our cross, we have no right to claim the the name of Jesus Christ, for we cannot be born again. Amen. It's an impossibility the way I'm reading Scripture. Yeah, we will bear, we will carry our crosses. So, if we compromise, we go back. If we get soft, Jesus knew. Jesus knew long before the world was founded what was going to happen to him, and Jesus volunteered for it. You read John's account over in Revelation. It says there. Search me. There's none found. John cried. John wept because of it. So there's none. There's none that are worthy to open the seals, to open those scrolls, to open these things. And what did the elder tell John? What did he say to John? He said, "Hey, don't cry. You don't need to weep. There's one that's been found worthy. There's one that's the Lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. He has been found worthy to loose the seals thereof. He is the only one that was worthy to loosen those seals. He was the only one worthy." to be the sacrifice that God required for the remission of your sin and mine. Amen. Period. Yeah. So, whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever loses life for my sake. What is losing your life? Sounds to me like denying yourself. Yeah. It's precisely what it sounds like. And you read, just before this, Jesus was talking about denying yourself. Mm -hmm. If we lose our life, we have to deny ourselves. <clears throat> what does it mean to deny yourself? <clears throat> Once again, people say Peter was acting self-righteous in this. He wasn't. He wasn't. Peter was using what little bit of knowledge he had. And I'm sure what he had gathered from some of the other disciples and what Jesus had said, and he was putting two and two together. The problem is he was coming up with three when he put two and two together. He wasn't quite getting it. Jesus is explaining it more clearly to him now. More clear. He that shall lose his life for my sake. Not for your sake. And not for handpats from the world. And not for congratulations. And not for, not for mama saying I'm so proud of you. And for daddy saying I'm so proud of you. Not so your grandparents will get off of your back for, uh, for not going to church and not being saved. Not for those things. Hey, that's not a cause of Christ. But when we deny ourselves, when we lose our life for His sake, when we lose ourselves for His sake, we gain life. We gain life and life more abundantly. We gain life eternally. We gain life and glory with Almighty God. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? But what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Mm -hmm. Folks, that couples with the previous two verses. We're still on the same subject matter. What shall it profit a man? 
What shall it profit if he gains the whole world? Jesus could have looked at himself when he said that because he was taken up in a high place by Satan himself. said, I'll give you all these kingdoms. People say Satan had no right to do that. Hey, the Bible calls him the prince of this world. It says that he's the ruler of this world. It says all these things, all these, all these evil kingdoms. I know that God created the world. I know that he created every stone and everything else that these kingdoms were created with. But folks, this world is ruled by Satan. That doesn't mean God's not still got control of it. But it is ruled. Folks, if that wasn't the case, we wouldn't be reading about all this human trafficking. We wouldn't read about murder. We wouldn't read about rape. We wouldn't read about molestation. We wouldn't read about any of these things if that was not the case. And people will say, why does God allow such things to happen, such things to go on? Folks, God created a perfect world. Man is the one that ruined it. Amen. Man yeah. let his own decisions come before what God had told him. Sin crept in and the world has been ruined ever since. Don't blame God. When it's our fault, the Bible says, be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, therefore shall he also reap. Folks, that's some true words. It don't matter if you're lost or if you're saved. Those are true words for lost people and true words for saved people. What shall it profit a man? He gains the whole world and loses his own soul. What would he give in exchange for? Mm-hmm. Everything. Everything. You read over in the Gospel of Luke. Everybody probably familiar with it. The story about Lazarus mm-hmm. and a rich man. The rich man fared sumptuously. Yeah, he lived good. large. Mm-hmm. Probably had a great, great big old house. Oh, yeah. Lazarus laid out at his gate. Yeah. Sore. Wanting nothing more than crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. The dogs come and licked his sword. Dogs were the only ones that could give that, that uh, give Lazarus any comfort. Right. Yeah, he got more comfort from from a beast than he did from a fellow human being. Right. But when it all come down to the wire, that rich man says he lifted his eyes in hell. Mm-hmm. He lifted his eyes in hell. What shall a man? Profit, or what shall I profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose his own soul? That man lost his soul. He lost his own life. Hey, the Bible says that Lazarus died and the angels carried him away under Abraham's bosom. All we read about that rich man is that he died and he lifted his eyes in hell. Nothing about angels, nothing about goodness, nothing about a second chance or a third chance, nothing along those lines. When we die, we are either carried under God or we will find ourselves in hell. There is no in-between. There is no purgatory. There is no second chances. After death, we make that decision right now. What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? It will profit him nothing. Because eternity lasts a lot longer in this temporal life that we're in. What does it profit? He shall gain the whole world. Lose his own soul. What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? What do you think that rich man would give? Yeah. Folks, that, that parable was spoken 2,000 years ago by Jesus. Now, I don't know exactly when this happened, but I doubt Jesus would have spoke a parable referring to people in situations that the people wouldn't have been familiar with. Right. So, I'm guessing about 2,000 years ago, that rich man opened his eyes in hell. Right. 
and he's still there today, 2,000 years later. He's still in that place of tor- torment. He's still begging for the same drop of water. He might still be begging uh, for, uh, for uh, to, be, to be allowed uh, that, that his uh, brother's not come there. You're reading the scriptures in that account. He says, hey, send, send, uh, send Lazarus. Send him. Uh, let him witness. Let him witness to my brothers. I got brothers up there on this. Don't let them come to this place. Don't let them come to this place of torment. Don't let them come here. That, that rich man was making that plea then. Those brothers have already stepped into eternity since then. But nevertheless, that man 2,000 years ago lifted his eyes in hell, and he is still there. It has profited him nothing. He may have had a fancy house. He may have even had a chariot. He may have had, he may have had donkeys and camels and horses. He may have had all these things. It says that, that he lived and fared sumptuously, sumptuously. The folks that gained him nothing nope. in the sight of eternity. It gained him nothing in the, as far as eternity went. Eternity is a long time to be wrong, folks. Oh, yeah. It is a long time to be wrong. Christ has given us opportunity. Mm-hmm. These Pharisees and Sadducees, they came to Jesus after witnessing or after hearing about the miracles, after witnessing some of them. They came to Jesus wanting another sign. Yeah. We're not quite convinced yet. Folks, let me tell you something. This Bible is the Word of God. And Jesus Christ is the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh, and it dwelt among us. All that can be found right there in John chapter 1. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. This Word is truth. This Word, precept upon precept, and line upon line, is true. It will be fulfilled. There is coming a day of reckoning for the Word for all of those that have rejected the gospel, all of those that have rejected God and rejected the blood of Jesus Christ, that day of judgment is coming and it will be a day that you cannot escape from. There has been a way of escape through Jesus Christ that has been made now. But when that day comes, there will be no escape. Amen. The Bible says they'll go up into the mountains and the hills. And beg for the rocks to fall on them. It says that they'll seek death and death will flee from them. They'll be in such miserable condition. They will try to die. They're going to try. Folks, I'm convinced because of that scripture in Revelation, I'm convinced there will be people trying to kill themselves and they can't do it. It says death will flee from them. Folks, if you say, my God wouldn't do that, You're not serving the same God that I am. Right. You're not serving the God of the Bible. My Bible says when Jesus Christ comes back, he doth judge and make war. Yeah. He said, I came not to bring peace, but a sword. Mm-hmm. He said, I know. He said, I've come. There, there's going to be division take place. Division within families. Division in friends. There's going to be division. Why is that? Jesus Christ is that dividing line. I can talk about God all day long out on the street corner and not many people are going to get offended if that's all I say is God. But when I mention the name of Jesus, Christ. That's when offense begins to take place. That's when people start to get their toes stepped on. Hey, and the Bible said God said unto behold inside I lay a rock of offense, a stumbling stone. That rock was Jesus Christ. Amen. And he is a rock of offense. Oh yeah. And some men will fall on it. Yeah. 
and it'll hurt them. It'll crush them when it happens. Those aren't the ones to worry about, though. That was me. And it'll land on some of them. Mm-hmm. And they'll grind them to powder. That's, right. That's the Bible. That's what the Bible says. Those that fall upon it, they'll be hurt. Folks, this, this word hurts. Oh, when yeah. you find out that you're a sinner, and you can't you can't be saved until you realize that. Mm-hmm. But when you find out that you're a sinner, that God looks at you in disgust and filth, and he knows your wickedness, and he knows your sin, and he knows every black crevice that's within your heart. He knows what you've done, whether your friends know it, whether your spouses know it, whether your parents know it, or anyone else. God knows what we have done. When we find out that, and he shines the light of the gospel into your heart, and it exposes that, are you going to run to that light, or are you going to flee from the Jesus said, again, John chapter 3, this is the condemnation Mm -hmm. that men love darkness more than light because the light exposes their deeds. What shall it profit a man? What is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Folks, we can give nothing. Right now, we can give nothing. You can't give your life. You can't give your heart. I don't care how many times you've heard it preached. You can't give your heart to Jesus Christ and be saved. (laughs) If you give anything to God to be saved, it is no longer of grace. You've had to give something up. My God saves me by grace. According to the scripture, he saves me by grace. I can't, and and I understand people mean well by it. They'll say, I gave my heart and life to God so many years ago. And that's all great and fine and well. But we gave nothing for salvation. Christ. is uh, Salvation is not uh, the act of giving. It's the act of receiving something from God. Receiving Jesus Christ. Receiving the gift of salvation. We give nothing to receive that gift. The only thing we can do is be sinners. And everybody in here is that. And that's what has been done. To erase that from us. To wash us clean. What should a prophet? We gain the whole world and lose our own soul. Absolutely nothing. 